You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and it's another episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today, we have Amy Julian Resner on with us from Beauty and Grace Aesthetics. Amy, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Um, so, Amy, why don't you start by giving us a, a background with about your nursing history? Um, where did you start nursing? How did you get into it? Yeah, so nursing was a second career for me. I actually was a social worker before I became a nurse and, you know, had always wanted to be a nurse, but to be quite frank, at the young age of 18 and I went to Purdue, I wasn't quite ready to dedicate uh, the amount of time needed to be a successful nursing student. So I went into social work because I knew, you know, I wanted to help people. So I didn't become a nurse until my kids were three and five. I actually went to an accelerated program here in Indiana, Indiana Wesleyan and graduated um, as an RN, of course, and spent the first five years as an RN. I worked for a um, ENT who was also double board certified as a facial plastic surgeon, which is kind of how I got into the the whole aesthetic realm. Um, After I had completed some time there, I applied to nurse practitioner school because I knew I wanted um, to be more independent, wanted to treat my own patients and have a little bit more autonomy. So went on to uh, Indiana University and became a family nurse practitioner while I still um, had my hand in aesthetics and worked part-time for a uh, facial plastic surgeon, sorry, facial plastic surgeon here on the south side of town. Um, And after that, I worked for a small med spa after I graduated from school and dabbled in some other areas of medicine, but um, kept finding myself drawn back to medical aesthetics. So it's uh, truly taken me a while to rediscover that passion and and know that's, you know, what gets my fire going and what is the most professionally fulfilling to me as an aging woman myself. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've I've had more and more interest in med spas. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Becoming a lot more relevant these days. Today's my birthday and I just turned 46. So as a a 46 year old woman, it it is becoming much more of a reality. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So do you did that time that you spent with the facial plastic surgeon, was mm-hmm. that kind of the um, eye-opening of, of going into med spa or how did you get that first job at med spa? Yeah, it really was. I, I kind of fell into that job by accident because I interviewed, he was, as I said, an ENT. So um, half of the practice was cosmetic. So it, it introduced me to, you know, the area of aesthetics and that's what really got me interested in that field um, in general. And it was you know, we did a lot of things outside of medical aesthetics and plastics. We did a lot of reconstruction um, of people who had had, you know, unresolved Bell's palsy or even facial tumors and um, lots of really neat things. But as I, you know, grew with that practice, um, I kind of honed in and what I really was most interested in. When you work in a large academic institution, it's, it's hard as, as one single RN to do aesthetics uh, because, you know, then they, they open up the job to all, you know, RNs and they said, well, we really can't do that. And so there's some great things about academic medicine, but also, you know, like everything, you know, there were some downsides too, which is why then I went into private practice. Okay. Yeah. And no, I had that experience too, actually, when I was a neuro ICO, cause I worked, um, uh, in academics and I was always fighting with like 10 neurosurgeon residents to like get <laughs> stuff done. And, exactly. You know. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you okay. get, 
Yeah, got a lot of exposure, but yes, it's it's you're constantly jockeying for position and getting things done when there's residents. Right, right. And it, it's funny how you kind of like resort to like, I'm not going to tell the residents that that line's coming up because I want to do it. Because <laughs> I want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then you went to a, a private medical spa um, after your years of working um, at this place. So um, what was it like working for them? And did they make you sign any kind of like non-compete or anything? Were they suspicious of you? Yeah. After I left the academic institution, I worked for one other facial plastic surgeon and um, I worked for him for four years as well. And he was great. Um, it, the best boss I ever had, just fantastic environment. And, and it was interesting because I think back on my career and I've you know, had the opportunity to work in, you know, an academic institution, private practice. And then after that, I went on to a med spa. So I got to see, you know, these, the business of aesthetics from all three backgrounds of where we typically operate aesthetics. So it was an, a very valuable experience for me because I got to kind of pick and choose the things that I liked from each of those experiences that helped me develop, you know, what I wanted to do in my practice and how I wanted to make it a little bit different. Um, and, and what were some of those things that you really liked about all three of them? Yeah, I mean, the first job I had out of school, I remember, you know, the um, ENT and facial plastic surgeon used to tell, tell me every day, you know, trying to build an aesthetic practice in an academic institution is very challenging, number one. But um, he was very business minded, which I give him a lot of credit for because not all physicians are, you know, business focused, but he was very in tuned and was very pressed upon us in the office, the importance of, you know, giving our patients the Nordstrom experience, you know, in aesthetic medicine, because I mean, we're particularly now in this day and age where we're on every corner. There's, I know our market's saturated here on the North side of Indianapolis and, and you really do try to do something to set yourself apart. So trying to make a very, you know, memorable and, you know, interesting experience for patients and make them feel special um, was something that I always, thought was a really cool part of that job that I took away from. Um, and then, you know, the other jobs, you know, they've all had different aspects as just far as, you know, little things you do for patients and, and different ways you want to, um, again, personalize that experience because it's, it's getting harder and harder to be, be unique in our environment because there's so many of us. Right. Yeah. Actually, I was in a mastermind with a person who was like an optometrist and she wanted to do med spa services in her optometry. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if I have a choice between an optometrist and going to like kind of a swanky med spa, like, you know, it really kind of like breaks it down to like its functionality. Yes, but, um, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I guess the same could be said about academic institutions. There's something about going to an academic um, institution for uh, plastic surgery, you know, cosmetic surgery. That's a little like, uh, I don't think so. It's, yeah, I mean, we would have, you know, our, our office days and it was, it became difficult as the aesthetic part of the practice grew. It's, you know, we could have a head and neck cancer patient in one room and the patient in the next room getting Botox. And obviously those two patients look completely different. <laughs> So it's, it, it was an interesting dynamic in the waiting room and it became a bit more of a challenge because it's two totally different patient populations. <laughs> right. Cause then you start feeling like a, an a-hole or something for wanting yeah, Botox. When exactly. Exactly. When you're, you know, treating somebody that's trying to survive cancer. Right. So it's, it was, it was a challenge for sure. So uh, at what point did you, were you working with the med spot? I'm assuming that that's when this happened. So just let me know if not, but yeah. um, that you said, I can do this on my own and I think I want to start my own business. Yeah. And you know, the, the last spa I worked for, again, it was 
um, the first truly spa experience I'd had. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, pluses and minuses, I guess you could say to everything. And I just knew and not that that wasn't a good experience for me, but I just saw a lot of opportunity for improvement and just how, again, to, you know, make that a red carpet experience for patients and seeing a missed opportunity in more of those smaller med spas um, to really kind of personalize and, and tailor the treatments. But the biggest thing is spending the time um, The you know, obviously, you know, from a business standpoint, owning my own business, yeah, I could sit in and cram a bunch of people into my schedule all day long. But to me, when I said, you know, at the end of the day, what makes me happiest and what do I think is most important for patients is time. So I spend an hour with all my new patients, which I never would have had the opportunity in other businesses I was involved with because it was all about numbers and, and, and revenue. And not that obviously you're, I'm in a business not to make money and, and have a livelihood, but I think that's a big part of our industry that's missing because, you know, surgeons don't have the time to do that in their practices um, in aesthetic practices. And that's where I try to really set myself apart is, is spending the time with patients and answering their questions and making sure they feel confident and comfortable about what we're going to do. Yeah, it's a huge difference from medical medicine uh, or hospital medicine. I know my neurosurgeons yes. see like 30, 40 patients a day. And exactly. I'm like, first of all, I don't know how you do it. Like, <laughs> second of all, like why? And exactly. I think what you said is really, really important. It's, it's a, a concept that a lot of, not just nurses, but um, uh, entrepreneurs in general don't sit back and ask. And it's what actually makes me happy. Um, and how do I want to work? I think that's like right. the most important thing you have to ask yourself. Right. No, definitely. I had done the experience of working in high volume practices and seeing patient after patient after patient. And at the end of the day, it's just not gratifying for me as a practitioner, but also I don't think it's fair to patients to give them, you know, short change in that experience because they're spending a lot of money typically when they're coming in and doing aesthetic treatments. Yeah. And yeah. Absolutely. That volume practice is like Walmart medicine or something, you know, it's just like how many people can we spend? Yeah. It's funny you said that because a lot of, you know, my patients that come in here, I, I tell them all the time, I said, you know, my goal when I opened my own practice was not to become the Walmart of aesthetic medicine. You know, you can find that pretty much anywhere in our town or any, any town. Um, that's not why I decided to do this. Um, so at, at what point, did you just, uh, did you have to invest a lot of money to get your practice up and off the ground? And did you have any kind of like hesitations about it? Yeah. You know, obviously I think, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I kind of naively went into the experience of saying, okay, I know how to inject and I know the world of aesthetics, but of course building a business is something I highly underestimated because that's not what we're taught in school. You know, we're taught, you know, the, the science and we're taught about you know, taking all the courses and all the training for aesthetics, but building a business is, is a whole nother venture. So I, I kind of slowly stair steps um, into my practice. I still worked full-time as a nurse practitioner at one of our local hospitals, completely out of aesthetics. I was working in orthopedics. Uh, my husband is self-employed as well. So we, you know, have two kids, two teenagers, and somebody still had to carry insurance. So I tried to be smart about, you know, kind of slowly coming out of my role in the, you know, typical NP role that I was playing at the hospital and just, you know, started full-time, then bumped back to part-time. And then, you know, I'll be honest, I mean, COVID, even though I, I didn't work in an ER and I didn't work a lot of inpatient um, units, it was just, it, it took a toll on me and it became really hard to, you know, do two things at the same time and do them well, um, trying mm -hmm. to build a business 
and trying to be, you know, a nurse practitioner um, in our hospital, it just, it, it took a real toll on me. So I just decided at that point in time, like, you know, what fuels my fire, what makes me happy. Um, and that's always been aesthetics. So that's when, you know, I probably jumped the gun a little sooner than my husband would have liked to, but <laughs> I came home one day and I said, you know what, I just can't do it anymore. Like I, it's, you know, we've got two kids, one's getting ready to go off to college and I, I feel like all I do is work. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I needed some better balance to say the least. Yeah. I mean, as horrible as COVID was at the same time, it did kind of, I, I feel like open a lot of people's eyes to um, how much we were working and how much it was making us miserable. Cause I know I went in, cause I worked the OR as well with my neurosurgeons and I walked in one day and did this super long case. It was like a 12 hour case. And I walked out of there and I'm like, I'm done. Wow. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I'm too yeah. old. Yeah. I, I just can't I, do it. I can totally identify with that because I had that moment and I had, you know, a 90 day period with my contract. So I gave my 90 days and then again, just kind of slowly started ramping up things. And there was initial investment. I mean, I, I didn't invest a ton of money because I didn't have it, honestly. And I, I started out, you know, in a very small office and have made kind of incremental moves. And my goal is to be completely on my own in a year and have my own storefront because I'm still renting space from another business. Right. Yeah. And I think that's an important point, especially for people that are listening, because, you know, it's easy to look at you and your website and say, oh, well, you know, she's just she started out with uh, 20 services and was no. successful from day one. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got this gorgeous room and, and all that kind of stuff. But we all right. start somewhere. Um, so what were, what were some of the services that you started out with? I started out with just basic injections because that's what I knew. Um, I started out in what a lot of people, there's so many new practitioners in our industry. And I think a lot of it has to do, unfortunately, with COVID and everybody's looking to get into a different area of medicine and, and aesthetics looks very glamorous on the outside. And yes, it can be, but it's, you know, like any other specialty, it's, it's challenging. And I think what a lot of um, people that are newer to industry don't understand is um, you know, toxins or neuromodulators is typically what brings people in the door, but they're not huge revenue makers for most practices because we just don't have big margins on those products. Um, but again, that's kind of what will drive your business. But I, I started with those things because that's what I knew. Um, and I always tell everybody, you know, my, my goal for my business, regardless of how big I get or how many employees I hire is to not be the jack of all trades and master of none. You know, I think you need to focus on the things that you're good at and the things that you enjoy and, you know, hire other people to support you that can do those things for you and help you out. And so have you, is that what you're doing now? Do you hire other people or is, are you kind of like a, a solo? Yeah. So I've kind of been the jack of all trades now for three years. And I just, I, well, I hired a social media person about a year ago because I think social media it's important. is important. <laughs> it's and the first I, thing that's got to, that's got to well, go off yeah. your plate. <laughs> so and, and as again, an aging 46 year old woman, like I just do not have the desire. I hate to say that to learn all the nuances of you know, Instagram and the algorithms and it, it drives me bonkers, but it's so important in our, in our industry because that's where, you know, people are getting their information. They're looking at your pictures. So it's, it's vital to the, you know, the importance of the business, but it was the first thing I said, I can't do this and I need to hire somebody that's much better at than I am. So I do have um, a social media person. And then just recently, she hasn't even started yet. I've hired an assistant just to help with, you know, the phone calls, the scheduling and just the day-to-day -day kind of back yeah. office things. Yeah. And I would say that's not a luxury. I would say that is just opens you up to, um, to do more consultations for your patients and really improve the service by having someone to help you. Absolutely. 
Okay, so um, yeah, and I would agree too with the, the toxins and neuromodulators because as a non-med spa person, like those would be the only things that I really know. And I've been to mm -hmm. med spas now and I was like, oh, there's all this other stuff. Yes, oh my gosh, yes. The industry's exploded. I mean, compared to when I started in 2010, I mean, it's it's hard for even somebody who's been around for a while to keep up on all the new technologies and and what you'd consider, you know, adding to your practice because there's so many options and women you know, men and women, of course, are looking for, you know, more non-invasive, you know, procedures with downtime. And that's really where everything is going. Right. So what was kind of the next piece after toxins and neuromodulators? What was the next thing kind of introduced? Um, I started to do, you know, some facials and things. And that was due to, honestly, the suggestion of, of one of my skincare reps. I have always sold some prescription skincare. Um, and be honest, I think it is like it is in any role, no matter the industry you're in, you have to do what you enjoy and what you're passionate about. And giving facials is just not something I enjoyed. <laughs> so I did it for a while because again, my rep's like, but Amy, you just need to get people in your door. You know, you need to get people exposed to your business. And I did them for a while. And I said, first of all, I give a ton of credit to estheticians. I am not trained as an esthetician. Yes, I'm a nurse practitioner, but that doesn't mean I'm a skin expert. So I, I do more kind of peels and I'll do microneedling, which is a nice thing we can do, you know, for the skin, but that'll be the first person I hire when I have my storefront as an esthetician, because that is just not my area of expertise, but vitally important to the practice. Right, right. Yeah, I'm definitely getting people in the doors. So, but do you have um, other types of like equipment? Did you invest in equipment? I really haven't yet, to be honest. And I know, I think, you know, some, I, some med spas, when they start, they'll buy a lot of lasers and, and obviously everybody's startup cost and what they do with that is different. I, again, started very, very low level. I haven't brought on lasers yet due partly to the expense, but also the liability. Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready, you know, to take that piece on. And also, I mean, in the state of Indiana, we don't have independent practice. So I also have a medical director that oversees the practice. So you have to think about, too, the relationship you have with your medical director. And is that something that they are OK with you taking on, too? And I've never fired my own laser. I've always been an injector. And again, kind of going back to, you know, I don't want to be the jack of all trades and master of none. But I whatever I do for my patients, I tell them, like, I want you to know that, number one, I'm not putting a product in your face or doing a procedure on you that I haven't done myself or had in my own face. So I'm, I'm very uh, careful about staying in my wheelhouse and, and knowing what I do well um, and doing lasers makes me a little leery just because it's an area that I don't have a lot of experience in, to be honest. Yeah. And, and yet you can still be very successful in doing what you're doing. So it's not yeah. necessary to always expand into other things. And I, I think that's like one misconception that people have is that they have to have like this Amazon catalog of services. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I think it's definitely doable, you know, building a practice on, you know, dermal fillers and neuromodulators if you do it right. Yeah. Um, so what is kind of the vision for you for this business moving forward? Yeah, like I said, again, to go back to what we talked about before, I definitely would, you know, like to have my own space here um, and have my own storefront, have, you know, an esthetician, um, and expand some more services. I thought a lot about um, a lot of IV bars are becoming popular. So I've thought about adding those things on, but again, I've been very careful about adding things on because number one, I need the staff to support it too, um, because I know how stretched thin I am right now and I can't do it all um, and do it all well. So I think that would be something I'd like to continue to add on is more of the maybe wellness component to the practice. Uh, and do you see the, the, the business kind of growing through the state of Indiana or did you want to keep it small? 
I don't know. You know, I've worked in those big practices before and, you know, I, I like keeping my business somewhat small. Obviously I still want to grow and I want to reach more people, but I don't think, you know, expanding to multiple locations is something that's in my immediate future. Um, I like to know all my patients still <laughs> and have personal connections with them. Um, so I think I would probably, I've lived in my community for 17 years and that's, I, I love my community and that's where I see, you know, myself staying at least for the interim the next few years. And what do you kids think about your business? Oh yeah. Well, my daughter's 18, so it's a little bit more relevant to her. <laughs> she, uh, she'll always ask me every once in a while, do you think you'll still be doing this when I need this stuff? And I said, well, at this point in time, hopefully, you know, if things continue to grow like they are and my son's 15, so he's kind of, you know, he thinks it's, you know, he doesn't think too much of it. He doesn't say too much, but, um, but yeah, my, my husband, like said, we've been married for 23 years and I've been in this industry now since I guess 12 years. And he's funny because he'll look at me every once in a while and be like, why are you starting to look younger than I am? And it's like, well, let's think about this. Like, <laughs> I, I drink from the fountain of non, you know, aesthetic stuff. So from all, of the, all the procedures, because like I said, I don't ever put any treatments or do treatments with any of my patients. I haven't tried myself. So. Right, right, right. Um, so you're, you're just, a walking uh, billboard for your practice. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the first doctor I worked for, he's told me that he's like, you need to be a walking billboard for this practice. And you need to know, you know, what these treatments are and what it's like to experience them and, and how to prepare, you know, these patients. So it it's very true. I think, you know, everybody's different. But at this point in time in my life, I'm just trying to kind of keep up on what I'm naturally losing through the process of aging, but not look crazy either. Right. Right. Because there is that, um, it's a delicate balance. It is a delicate Very balance much. because you see these people that just look frozen and oh, like, yeah, it's not a good look. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I, and that's what scares patients. And I think, you know, it's first thing they came in, I literally had a new patient said to me yesterday, you're not going to make me look like a cat. And I started to laugh and I said, if I make you look like a cat, that's not good for either one of us. So we're not going to do that. But I think, you know, people see these aesthetic treatments and, and yes, you see them done, overdone and done poorly, but there's, they can be done very naturally. And, you know, just again, replacing what they've lost through the process of aging and making, you know, their natural beauty just look a little bit more refreshed. It's definitely yeah. possible. Now, have you ever had to turn away clients just because they wanted things that you weren't willing to do? Yeah. And I think that comes, has been easier as I've gained more experience in our industry. Um, and two, I mean, your, you know, that work is, is your, is walking out of the door, you know, with your name on it. So, I mean, I, again, like I said to the patient, it's not in my best interest to make you look crazy because it's going to make me look crazy too. So I, I don't enjoy doing overdone results. And I think that's what I've tried to convey through my social media messages and in general, and that it's more than, you know, making people look pretty, but it's about building confidence and particularly in women. I do, I hate, I do target my practice, I think more towards women. Um, and not that I have anything against men. I just, I know female faces well, and I enjoy the relationships I've built with my patients. Um, so I, I think that's something we've done really well here. Awesome. Uh, all right, Amy. Um, so it would, this has been great. If people want to um, find out more about your med spa or, or contact you, how do they get in touch? Yeah, uh, my website, all one word, beautygraceaesthetics.com. We're located just north of Indianapolis in Noblesville, Indiana, but we're on Instagram and Facebook too, of course. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.